Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods. Putting STEM into every classroom, every day. Well, I'm so excited to be chatting on today's episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast with Susan Krause. She is the founder and CEO of Tracksart Toys. And you can find that at tracksarttoys.com. And the new product that they've got is Kinesium. And, and it's a really neat idea if you have Spheros or Ozobots or any kinds of robots you're using in your classroom, uh, you're definitely going to want to hear this conversation. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you. Uh, it's great to be here, Chris. I really appreciate the invitation to talk about Kinesium. We're really thrilled that so many teachers right now are backing us and really excited to use it in the classroom. Yeah. And right now, actually, Kinesium, that's spelled K-I-N-A-Z-I-U-M. And it's on Kickstarter, deadline coming up soon. So check it out. And of course, there's links in the show notes. But tell us just real briefly, Susan, what this product actually is and how great it is for a classroom with some robots in it. So I live in Boulder, Colorado, and I've been watching Spiro for a long time. And I thought their uh, robot robotic Spiro toy, which has morphed into different products, um, is really awesome. And I, but I always felt like people didn't know enough of what to do with Spiro. And I really was thinking of it for just in-home use at first. And I came up with this idea that it would be really cool if people could build any kind of a course or a game or a challenge for robotic toys. So mm -hmm. it came to me pretty quickly and I gathered up my son and a few of his engineering friends and we all got together and started rapid prototyping right away. We got some foam core board, lots of stuff that kids use today to build mazes in the classroom, you know. Yep, we yep. went to the hardware store and found some plastics and dowels and things like that. And we uh, started using those early prototypes with beta families really early on. And eventually we got to this idea that we wanted some kind of a system that kind of plugged together kind of it has kind of a, a sense of being like Legos where you can just take the parts and create anything you want yeah. so we came up with this idea where we would have this mat and we were using those soft puzzle mats that we've customized with holes we drilled them all with holes in our prototypes and we developed a peg which we printed in 3d that connects mm -hmm. these thin walls in a vertical or horizontal direction by sliding it into the slot and then you can take pegs and put them into these holes that are in the walls to create gates and ramps and all kinds of really cool things. I mean, one thing we saw is that Sphero often is always being used on a 2D surface, but we wanted to get Sphero and any other kind of robot off the ground a little bit. So it's really cool that yeah. you can go up a ramp, you can go down a ramp. We made things like skee-ball and... Yeah. Um, we made soccer stadiums and got two different robots trying to do things where they push a ball to a different corner and see which robot can do it quickly so kids can compete with two different completely types of robot types yeah. of robots. Mazes are the first things everybody thinks to build. So they build some yeah. kind of a maze with some gates or teeter-totters and ramps. But pretty quickly we start to show people, hey, you don't have to start on the ground. You can start up on a tower. You can do anything. But the coolest yeah. thing that happens when we show this toy at um, STEAM Fest and STEM activities, kids take these three simple things, a wall, a peg, and a mat, and they do something we've never done with it before. And we're like, well, yeah. 
how is it possible that they could think of some way to connect these three things that we haven't done? And it's thrilling to see them do that. Their minds are so creative and open and they don't have any preconceived notions. And we don't like to show them too much before we give them the toy because that right. leaves them very open for invention. Right. And, and again, we want our kids to be inventing and creating and, and we want to foster that curiosity to try something new. Uh, like you were saying, and, and if you haven't seen or heard of Kinesium yet, if you hop on either TraxartToys.com, that's T-R-A-X-A-R-T, or Kinesium, you can find on Twitter at K-I-N-A-Z-I-U-M. It's, it's really incredible just to see some of the different videos already that you've got posted, the different things. Uh, like you said, like that teeter-totter one is, is kind of cool. So you think of a, a Sphero or a robot riding up on a ramp, and then that teeter-totters down and goes over. You know, It's almost like American Ninja Warrior, but built <laughs> for robots. It, it really is a whole different series of every time it can be something different. Yeah. I mean, the cool thing too, is that kids, when we're also at a show, kids will come from different families. There'll be three kids on this, one of these mats starting mm -hmm. to build things. They start collaborating together. They don't even know each other and they will really build for a long time. Like we literally have to stop them because we try to, <laughs> when we were first testing, we wanted to give them time limits because we actually were behind a curtain and we were getting their feedback from the parents and the kids. Yep. And we'd give them like 30 minutes and we have to say, Hey, you need to want to try the robot? You know, do you want to, I mean, it's it, kids, some kids just built amazing things and didn't care about the robots. So it has yeah. this just aspect of yeah. opening up their minds and in, in this design, right brain thinking and hands on, you know, they're not kids them off their screens. They're actually doing things that are tactile. Yeah. And recently I went to a special needs after school program and, you know, autistic kids are great with this kids that need things for dexterity or for their fingers, for fine motor skills yeah. also helps with that. It's definitely just such a neat idea. And, and again, that's why I wanted to chat with Susan today. Again, Susan Kraus from uh, Kinesium is the, is the brand new idea product. And I think a, a lot of things that we've seen already is like people get out the Sphero, they get out the robot, and then they drive it around a little bit. And then they're like, okay, well, maybe we can build some cardboard things for it. But, but this takes it a whole new level. It, it, does, it gives kids that ability. There's even some sensors built in and things you, that you can use, right? Right. So, yeah, I mean, I've been watching the end of year projects that kids have done for Spiro, and I don't want that to go away. I really like also that kids are doing creative mazes with cardboard, but this is really for everyday work in the classroom. I mean, every single day a teacher can get out Kinesium, they can build a maze, they can take a picture of it and build back the same maze the next day. And yeah, yeah as, as we were working along, we thought it would be really cool to have some technology on our side. So we put in two motion sensors in the kit. Um, you could get another you can add on whatever you want, extra kits or pegs or right. sensors. Yep. But the idea is that you put these two sensors in the game and they can be used as point gatherers or timers. So we haven't quite finished the app side, but we're going to have an app where the kids can design a game. They decide what the game is. They decide what the sensors are going to do, whether you win with a low score or a high score or whether it's a timer-based thing that you're racing. Yep. There you go. I really want them to be able to do game design on their own and come up with really cool things that um, they do today with cardboard, but just they could do it every day with Kinesium. Yeah. And again, even if we, even without that app, you know, the kids can still just create and infinitely create because over and over again, you can take it apart just like Legos, you know, like you said earlier, Susan, you can take it apart, you can rebuild it something new. I, I like how you said it takes, takes a robot away from being just two dimensional driving around on a flat surface and takes it up that third dimension 
kind of reminded me of like I've seen videos of, you know, inside warehouses and, and you've got robots that and conveyor belts that, that move up and move down to get products around a warehouse. Uh, kids are going to be working in those kind of environments and robots are going to be part of all those things. Yeah, I, um, I think kids are going to be surrounded by all of this stuff. And in fact, I'm working on a surprise video for Friday that's um, going to have some AR associated with it. And I think kids will be doing AR. It's not that hard for them to do it and include that as part of what they're doing in these robotics programs. So yeah. there's just so much opportunity. And you know, one of the things I really like about it is that you know, when they're in the robot side, they're programming it. They might create a challenge on Kinesium, then they go back to their computer and figure out how to program the robot through Kinesium. So there they're you, doing a very analytic process there. But when they're doing the Kinesium part, they're doing a very more creative and integrative mm-hmm. process on that side. So they get to really engage both the left and the right side of their brain in the full activity. Yeah. And again, one of the quotes from, from your site said, it's a great time to be a kid. It, it really is. I mean, looking at the different types of things that the products that are out there, um, that just the, the ways that educators are seeing that this STEM thing isn't just, let's talk about rocket science. You know, it's, it's really those everyday, those creating, those collaborating, like you were talking about too, getting kids working together in a group, in a team. One of the things I really love about Kinesium is that girls like it just as much as boys do. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. I think Legos has struggled over the years to get girls more engaged and some girls really like it, but it's not, it probably is, tends to be a little bit more boy centric. Probably. Um, so. But girls really, the thing that really surprised us is what, when we were at trade shows is when girls actually got together on one of these mats, they did, they actually collaborated a little bit better to actually create a full complete <laughs> game quicker than the guys did. The guys were a little bit more, you know, wanting to get in their own corner and do their own thing, but the girls immediately would start working together. And I love that it's engaging uh, girls. I, I've watched over the years how I still see in the classroom where girls start saying, I hate math around third or fourth grade. And there's just really no reason for it. I mean, right. I've loved math since I was a really young kid and you don't really need math for what I'm developing, but when kids play with kinesium, you watch their minds do some really interesting things. So for example, Sphero is kind of a slippery ball, right? And sometimes people have these nubby covers, but if you build a really big ramp, Sphero may not have the acceleration or the friction to get up that ramp. And kids figured out, you know, they're figuring out physics by trying and they do a lot of trial and error by when they build things, they go, okay, let's build this, let's see what happens. And they take it apart, they change it to make sure they can achieve what they're trying to achieve. And then also, I just like the joy they have in when it doesn't do what they expect or when they run Spiro off the mat and it goes, you know, down the hallway or, you know, there's just so much joy in their playfulness with it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, um, you could definitely have kids, you know, just use this in so many different ways. Um, And again, it's like a rubber mat, you know, like think of those kind of squishy mats that um, that kind of interlock together like puzzle pieces, like a lot of elementary classrooms have. And it's got holes drilled in it in a grid. Uh, those little pegs almost remind me of like Tinker Toys of the past. Mm-hmm. How they had those kind right. of slots in them. Uh, and then you're just sticking those, those, those dividers, those plastic pieces together. And again, that ability to build, build three-dimensionally as well. Um, yeah, we've had some people will say, oh, I don't know, maybe you should use something hard instead of those mats. But what I love about those mats is that people can just, when I take them to a show and a kid walks on them and their mom's like, no, no, no. I'm like, no, no, that's why they're mats. So kids can crawl on them and walk on them and it doesn't hurt yeah. to their knees or their bodies and they can move around on the mat. They don't have to be sitting on the outside and reaching over into the middle of yeah. it to build what they're going to build. 
Yeah. And again, they're interlocking. So once you get a set, you can get another set and they interlock together like puzzle pieces. Um, it's really, it's a, it's a place to just have those robots play and, and getting kids yeah, to a we, point where they're learning without even knowing that they're learning. Yeah. We really like the um, fact that every time someone sits in front of it, they create something different. And we're looking down the road at doing things like having um, a virtual environment where kids can post their games and videos of what they've done. And then oh, yeah. kids in other places can take the game they did and make it in their classroom and they can challenge each other for whatever the goal of the game is, whether it's point scoring or timers. We've t- t- tested it with lots of different types of robots too. I mean, I don't really want to get too completely cut up on Sphero. We, we love Cosmo. We're very sad that Anki went out of business because he climbed really well up really big towers. Yeah. Um, we've used it with the Wowie robots like MIP, and we've used it with all of the Sphero robots. We did a test with their new rover that they're building, the car robot. Uh, and we've also used it, and we took it into a girls in robotics program on a Saturday, and they were building Vex robots, and we used the Vex robots on it too, which makes it really nice for them to have an inexpensive surface to test their robots on instead of always yeah. having to go into the big, expensive Vex environment. So, and we've tried it with a uh, Roboto here in Colorado makes robots and Questbotics, which does a math, really cool math robot is here in Colorado. We have a lot of people working on this kind of stuff here. Pretty much if it rolls, it will work in our environment. We place the holes on the mat at two inch intervals. So two inches apart works great for uh, Sphero Mini. Four inches apart is great for a lot of mid-sized robots and six inches is the bigger robots and eight. And so you can make much bigger pathways. And so on our Kickstarter, we've we have a school pack that's a four-pack kit where you would put four of these kits all together in a great big, huge configuration. Okay. We call that kinesium in the gymnasium. Yeah, but, there you go. And you could also break it apart and have four stations. So it's really yeah. nice. Yeah. And again, um, the, the name kinesium is really that, that combination of kinetics and a gymnasium, that, that aspect of playing, but all, all those physics, all those, all those STEM ideas as well. I think it really says something about our future of, of STEM education, that we have all these, all these great new things that can, can challenge kids. What do you think about the, the future of education in terms of STEM, Susan? So I have just been so surprised when I walk into classrooms. We have a, a school district here close to where I live in Longmont, and it's called St. Brain Valley, and they're getting national attention because they put in a big innovation center that has a robotics makerspace and a wet lab and a bunch of other things. And mm-hmm. one of the things I find really fascinating is how many schools have 3D printers and makerspaces now. Yeah. And when you think about the future of artificial intelligence and robotics and really getting these kids to start to touch and feel and think about those things, I think it's really critical because as we move forward, when more and more of our world can be automated or even programming is going to be done in some level of automation where you think a lot of the jobs might be, those jobs yeah. could also start to disappear. So I think people are going to become more and more, get more and more back to making things and designing things and building things. So having these wonderful maker spaces in the classroom where kids can really do what we did, really start with foam core and then start rapid prototyping with 3D printers. And, you know, really yeah. within a few months, we had some pretty nice looking pilot systems and kids can do that today at school. I mean, I never realized how much uh, schools were really paying attention to this and starting to integrate this kind of invention that America's always really been good at invention and we're really guiding those kids to think about that inner inventor. When I go and talk to kids, I say, just every day you get up when you're doing something, if you find something that's hard or something that you don't like doing a certain way, that's an opportunity for you to think of an invention and how you can solve that problem. 
That's some awesome advice, Susan. And again, it was neat listening earlier when you were you, when you were talking. You said those things about you wrapping prototyped with uh, with the foam core and and the three D printing. And I was thinking that's what's going on in so many classrooms. Uh, today in our schools. And it's so exciting to see kids just love these kind of STEM ideas, don't they? Yeah. I'm, so I'm a, a right, left brain, well-balanced person. I'm an artist also. So when I'm not doing this kind of work, I'm doing art. And I started in high tech industry and worked in high tech industry my whole career, yeah. building really big iron electronics and telecommunications, some of the first cell phone products. So this is a really different course for me, but Pretty much all the inventions that are on my plate right now that I'm thinking about are things to help kids get educated or learn better or have creative opportunities. I really want to get back to the future. Yeah, that's a, that's a great place to be, especially, you know, we think uh, how, how so often in the past kids would just naturally go out in the garage or go in the basement and put stuff together, take things apart. And again, we're, we're starting to see that, that come around again. Again, we just got to keep getting kids off those playing video games and watching Netflix all the time and get them actually making and doing stuff. Exactly. Hey, I want to make sure that I shout out to my team. Um, I started this company with my, I was very fortunate that my son wanted to participate. He and another of his friends were both aerospace engineering grads just out of school. And then two other of their friends, mechanical engineering grads, all said yes when I asked them if they wanted to do this startup. I was thinking I might get two of them and I got all for it. And there was no way I was going to say no because I thought it was a great experience for all of them to learn how to do a startup. But my son, Adam Kemp, and uh, Taylor Scott, who actually married Emily, who's one of our other startups, so it's Taylor and Emily Scott, and Hunter Reed are the other founders of this company. And they've all participated in very interesting ways. So it's been really awesome working with all of them. Yeah. And again, that's a super reminder to any teacher that once you have kids in your classroom coming up with ideas, then you, you say, okay, how would you have to get this startup to the public? How would you, how would you make these kind of things work? Which is exactly what you've been able to do with Kinesium. And um, just what a, what a cool idea. Again, I like to always ask everybody one final question here. So Susan, I'm going to ask you if you could have dinner with somebody from STEM, past or present, who would you love to just sit down and chat with? Uh, Leonardo da Vinci, of course, is my number one. So I think that's everybody's answer. So I'm going to say secondarily, um, although I don't appreciate his historical treatment of women, um, Frank Lloyd Wright was always very amazing to me. Um, I don't know if everybody knows the story about um, his most famous building that he designed was Falling Waters, which is a very interesting house that has a waterfall. Well, apparently he was at Taliesin in Arizona and got about four hours notice that the clients were coming to see his drawings. And he'd known about the project for a while, but he hadn't done anything yet. And in those four four hours, he, and I assume maybe it's some of his associates, but I heard he did most of it. He sat down and drew the plans for falling waters and had most of it on paper before they showed up. And he was 97 years old, I think when he did that. So, you know, you know, I have quite a bit of experience in animation and telecommunication and cable industry. And I've done, a, you know, I have a couple of products I did Emmys on. And so I think, ah, is, is this all behind me? But then I think about him and I go, he was in his nineties when he was still doing very creative, yeah. um, awesome design work and just way beyond what people were even thinking about in architecture yeah. at the time. Just teachers, just don't tell your kids that story because that means they'll wait till the last minute to do their homework assignment. <laughs> well, they've got a lot more tools now than they used to, though, right? <laughs> yeah. In fact, today, if, if Frank Lloyd Wright had been around, he could have done it in like 25 minutes using computer. <laughs> exactly. So much easier today. Well, again, uh, Susan, I want to I thank you for, for being on the show and, and talking about the Kinesium idea. 
And just that idea of getting kids to interact with the things that you already have in your classroom, the robotics, or, and again, at home too. When kids get a product like that for Christmas and they play with it for a little while and then it just ends up in the toy box or something, that's, that's so not worth it. Right. Hey, I just want to point one thing out and you can use this or not, but I've been thinking about math a lot. I mean, I was always pretty good at mathematics and I really loved math. And actually when I became a computer animator, I realized I hadn't actually didn't take calculus in high school for some ridiculous reason, but I started doing computer animation and realized that calculus was how you describe objects and 3D mm-hmm. objects. And when I understood that, I'm like, oh, I really want to go understand calculus. So I went back to college and took three semesters of calculus. Mm-hmm. But the point I really want to make is that I've been thinking about math a lot. And what I'd, I wonder if, if kids could really think of math as basically like a foreign language in a way, not foreign as in that difficult to learn, but as a right. language of how we describe things and how we can talk to other people because math is a universal language. It is. And I think it's a critical skill for people to understand and use math and feel confident in it as just as if it was Spanish or French or some other language. And if people stopped looking at math as something challenging and hard to do and just thought of it as a skill they needed as a language that describes the world around us, maybe they would be more open to really wanting to learn math and keep it as a something in their back pocket they can have every day. Yeah. As, I tell you what, Susan, as a, as a high school math teacher myself, there's a lot of times that I talk about math in my classroom as being a language and, and a foreign language. And once they understand it, then they can, they can understand things in science. They can understand how computing works and, and they can understand so many other things because that forms the basis for so many other things. And even just understanding math, just knowing what does solve mean, what does simplify mm-hmm. mean. And just the difference of those two is a, is a huge uh, step towards understanding how to quote unquote do math, I guess. Right. And physics is really the same too, right? I mean, once you understand those, start to understand those two things, you can just look around you every day and understand things in a different perspective. Yeah. And again, um, Susan mentioned that she did computer animation. Susan was actually one of the very first computer animators in the world. Just how, how, how neat to, to think that, that even just some of those things that you were learning and thinking about three-dimensional space here, that's, that's kind of the whole idea behind uh, Kinesium and, and other things. Who knows what, uh, what Trexart toys will come up with next. So right. again, Susan, I want to thank you for being on the show. And again, uh, check out Kinesium or uh, TrexartToys.com. You can find out all the links and stuff in the show notes. And uh, it was just great uh, chatting with you, Susan, and, and hearing all the great things you're doing. Thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate it. And thanks again for listening to this episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Please leave a review so more educators can find all the great ideas. You can also find me on dailystem.com or at dailystem on Twitter. And we'll talk to you again next time. You're listening to this podcast on the ESDAC Broadcasting Network. To find more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit remarkablechatter.com. Thank <laughs> you.